Hello, welcome back to D1 Rejects. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo, joined by Trevor Lee. And Trevor, who do you, who do you have next to you there? You got a good old Sarge oh, no. boy. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Are we, we good? Settle down. He likes it? Good. Yeah, newest member of the podcast, Sarge Manzo, the English Bulldog. Sarge, do you have anything to say to the people? You might have to move your microphone there, pal. He's more of the stoic type. Yeah, man of few words. Or he is. Dog of few words. He I certainly guess. is. Um, oh. 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 Uh-oh. Doing a little bit of a shake. Not. Okay. Please don't Please don't break anything here, pal. Oh, shit. Oh, oh Trev. Trev. Good, good, good call. You see that catch? That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looked like when the when they do the bowl, like they get the ball going, he starts shaking. Uh, Sarge will not be on for the remainder of the show, but uh, a good little intro as we have as we have pal joining us uh, here today. You out of here? All right, pal. <laughs> but. A lot more other great stuff coming on today's podcast. Jake Dorn joins us uh, from the University of West Florida. He was a Saginaw Valley transfer, uh, just committed down at West Florida. But uh, the thing that Jake and I talk about a lot is the fact that he's torn his three ACLs to my two. Has me beat. Uh, We talk a ton about the mental state of going through an injury like that. Not just an ACL, but any type of death sentence for an athlete, uh, those season-ending injuries and how people can really come back, their perspective changed, and oh my gosh, it just... (laughs) I hope you got that on the camera. (laughs) But the conversation with Jake is a long one, but it's a good one. So I definitely encourage you... uh, See, Sarge heard me talking about it and actually just ran right back in. Yeah, fired up. He did. So uh, definitely stick around for that conversation with Jake. I really appreciate having him on and him sharing his insight, and hopefully we can uh, have a good influence on, on someone who's going through an injury right now. But on more of the football side of things, the Tennessee Titans are one step away from building a new stadium, and it is over $2 billion. Wow. At what point does, like, big money just not, like, register in your brain anymore? Is there a threshold? You know what I mean? Like, anything above X amount of dollars is just a lot of money, like a shit ton of money. In the sense of a stadium? In the sense of just anything to me, like anything over like a hundred mil. Yeah. Anything over like 100, like I would say 500, like anything over $500 million. Like I can't even understand, begin to understand how much money that is. Yeah. So to me, anything over $500, $500, it's not bad, but anything over $500 million, I'm like, that just is an inconceivable amount of And then times that by four, and that's what the Titans are spending on their new stadium. Yeah. Is it going to be in Nashville or where is it going to be? So that's a great question. If you want that answer, you might have to stick around for that part oh, of the part of the wait. pod. Um, otherwise, Kansas City is hosting the draft for the first time since the NFL draft's inception. How is how has that happened? Sure. They've gone this long without hosting the draft. But we're going to take a look at their draft setup. Um, we are what a week away from the draft exactly. as we're recording this tonight. Yes. So yeah, almost exactly. It's eight o'clock. So the, yeah. the first round starts at eight. So look at that. I don't think you can get Sarge on. Oh, oh, there he is. Oh. Sarge is yawning, so not as much of a fan he of uh, about- the draft talk. Yeah, Him and me both, to be honest. But their draft setup as they prepare to uh, host the draft is, uh, is pretty spectacular. So we'll take, we'll take a look at that. Um, but otherwise, you can watch this episode on YouTube. If you are watching right now, you see Pal playing footsies. He might bite my foot. Um, and you can listen pretty much anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Follow us on Twitter at D1Rejects. A little bit of a rebrand on our Twitter. New uh, logo and uh, 
profile profile picture and header picture. Go take a look. Otherwise, Instagram, Division One Rejects, and TikTok, Division One Rejects, to see highlights from the show. Before we jump into any of that, you clown, where is he? Uh, we'll go and hop over to that conversation with Jake from West Florida. Joining us tonight, a man who just made the move to the Sunshine State, a former Cardinal at Saginaw Valley, now on the squad at West Florida. It's Jake Dorn. What's going on, fella? What's going on, man? I appreciate you uh, Appreciate you getting back to me. I knew yep. we had a quick little conversation. Um, you have my boy, my best friend, uh, Trevor Nowoski on, and I listened to it. Obviously, I like to hear what Trev's got to say. Like, yep. if you're you know, a little bit more about his journey, maybe something I don't know. And as soon as I heard those ACLs pop up, I'm like, man, this would be neat to just put something together because – there's a lot of people out there going through things with it, with injuries, whether it be ACL or not, and they struggle. Like, it's not easy. So 100%. Yeah, what a I hear you. Just collab. And you've got me beat. I mean, I've had two of them done. You're, you got one more of that. So, um, <laughs> and that's just like, it's a club that you don't exactly want membership to, right? But once you're in it, I mean, it's an immediate, like, you have a connection with everyone else who has gone through that. And also other season-ending injuries as well. I mean, it's not just specific to ACLs, you know, and those knee injuries. But before we get to talking about that, uh, let's talk about the move. What made uh, leaving Saginaw the right decision for you, and why was the landing spot, the correct landing spot, down in uh, West Florida? 100%. Um, you know, first I want to say I had a great time at Saginaw. I really enjoyed my five years there. Played three seasons, obviously, between COVID. And then I tore my ACL in 21, so I missed two years in a row. But, yep. um, I mean, nothing but respect for the staff that recruited me and the staff that I, I ended with to Coach Brady. And that staff did more for me than I could have ever asked and for my family as well. They still put trust in me after tearing my ACL the third time, which mm -hmm. is few and far between. I mean, especially when you're on a comeback season, everybody's kind of looking at you like, is he going to be the same type of cat or not? Um, but you know deep down in your gut when it's time to go. And you really ask anybody, my, my main objective, I said, I want to go south. Like, I want to play ball down south. I want to see what it's like. I've always heard it's a little bit different, quote unquote. Yeah. That made me curious. And um, I set out to have a great season at Saginaw and it went well. I was pretty happy with it, but now I'm extremely healthy. And I ended up, I was committed to Valdosta State for about three months. I committed there right in the beginning of, okay, of January, actually. Yeah. So I was committed gotcha. to Valdosta State. Um, they gave me an opportunity. Uh, once again, I have a lot of respect for that staff. Um, but I had a connection, Coach Coach Mello from Davenport. Yep. He took the job, took the job down at West Florida, and I seen that. And I hadn't really had many conversations with him, but you know, I said that's a connection. That's a guy that's been in Gleak, um, and he had some interest in me. And talks took off, and uh, I actually just got back. I was on a quick little visit there. I just got back last night. So I saw that, dude. I saw that on I saw that on Twitter. And that's the next thing I was going to bring up is that you're not the only Gliak guy making the exact same move. Uh, we had Coach Mello on the pod way back when it was over over a year ago, and I I had reached out to him to congratulate him on the new job. Got to get him got to get him back on here now that he's acquainted down in the uh, in the Gulf South. But um, that's exciting stuff, dude. I was going to ask if that was kind of the connection that ended up uh, making the decision for you, but before that you didn't have too much conversation or too much of a relationship with uh, Coach Mello before he went down to West Florida? Really didn't have any relationship at all. Really? Um, 
not really. I So when I got into the transfer portal, I'll never forget this. I remember exactly where I was at. He texted me, and I wanted to go south. It was no disrespect. I just – we didn't really have any communication when he was still at Davenport. And, yep. Um, I remember when I seen he took the job down at West Florida because that had been the school that I had wanted to go to. They had a staff change, and – I still have the DMs and Twitter on my phone that I sent to all the coaches. And yeah. a couple of them are still on the staff down there at West Florida. So that was kind of funny when they had a whole new staff come in and they were real busy. So like weren't getting back to as many guys. And I'm like, man, this ain't this isn't gonna work out. And Coach Mello went down there. So I went back through my phone. I found the message from Coach Mello that was like, Hey, I'm at DU, you know, we're interested, whatever. I can't remember what it said. And yeah, I text him. I'm like, hey, coach, I see you're down at West Florida. <laughs> like, I, I said, I first really want to apologize for not responding to Damn. you. Um, and but man, he's awesome. He uh, that's good. He's taking me under, you know, under his wing quick. Um, and I know him and I are going to, and the rest of the D line, the team, the defense, um, the whole team itself are going to have a lot of success down there. But he's yeah. he's great, man. He's been um very supportive. I mean, great at communicating, letting you know what it is he sees you doing and being um, for a team. So him and I together are going to do a lot of really good things. That's too funny, man. Like at Davenport, like you said, you had your reasons, of course, but didn't hit him back in the DM. And all of a sudden he posts a little <laughs> announcement and be like, man, I, I do know this guy. He he hit me up before. I'm going to I'm gonna have to get back in there and, and shoot him a little message, man. I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's a good little story. Um, but we can transition over and talk about the knee injuries. And I think the biggest thing for me, and I'm sure you can probably attest to this as well, is the mindset change. For me, it was from number one to number two. And going through that process again, the first time, obviously, extremely daunting just because of the unknowns. Now, what for you, as you've gone through that process multiple times, is there one tangible thing you can narrow down? I'm sure it's probably a bunch, but how have you approached the consecutive ones uh, when you've tore that and, and really just received the news? Because that's the hardest part. For sure. I remember the craziest thing is you remember, at least I did, exactly where I was at. I mean, it's like yep. I still have it. It still resonates in my mind, slow motion. Um, totally. I was right in the middle of a basketball court, biggest game of the year, sixth or seventh game of the season, my junior year of hoops. And I had been about a year and probably a year and three, year and four months out from my first one, feeling amazing. Okay, you yep. start fe really feeling good after that, you know, after, I mean, after the first one, like you're really feeling good and boom, got hit. And, you know, I think the, the biggest thing for me was just, that's when I learned that what you do was bigger than just for yourself. Um, you know, family members, friends, but especially family, like that's the looks on their faces. I just told myself, like, I can't go out this way. I mean, yep. that was my thought. Like, this is something that will either make or break me. And I've got a, I mean, yeah, you got a chance to go play college ball. You got a chance to go do those things, get scholarship, blah, yada, yada. But it was more so like, okay, this is my family looking at me and like they're devastated and it's only on me to go make it happen and come back. Um, it was brutal, but I'd say my family was my biggest push. And it was like, they didn't really have to say much to me. It was just that initial look when you went back to the doctor's office and you got the news. Like I knew, I knew the second one 
I mean, it was it was done. Like, yeah, it's immediately right. Like once you do it, you do it once. That second time, you're like, that's it, dude. Like I, yep. I know exactly. I think you're spot on. Like everything you said, you know. I'm sitting there, like the trainer comes out, I was like I know, dude. Like you ain't gotta do anything. <laughs> I know what I did, but like on the family piece, right? When I, I know what I did the second one. Like damn for sure that I handled it the best out of anyone in my family. I mean, talk about my parents and because they've seen me go through that whole rehabilitation process. My brother, who I'm fortunate enough to play with up here at Northern Michigan, right. was obviously, you know, just just an emotional wreck. And I think having gone through that process hardens you in a way. And like you said, I think the what you kind of touched on is the perspective change. Right. And for me, it was allowing me to go. Uh, I worked at the news station. I have my, I basically created my own role here as our lead content coordinator for NMU athletics, which is a position that didn't exist before my injuries. And I'd be interested to hear kind of after you got removed, you know, especially from the second one, like how did your perspective change? And I'm assuming you ended up pursuing some other things outside of sport. Yeah, it was unique because of mine being, being when it happened, it, I just didn't know what was going to come. Like, I didn't know if I was going to go play college ball. I didn't yeah. know at that point. I mean, I'm talking no summer camps, all schools cut connections. Um, I, I, I ventured out a little bit to, to try some new things, but at the same time, I'm like, man, like, I don't have time to waste. Honestly, looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it kept me down in high school. It kept me grounded. Um, I was actually just talking to – when I was down down at West Florida talking to coaches about that, I said the ACLs a lot of times to everybody externally is a negative or like a you know one of the moments where they look. I said Call like, like that's, a death sentence. That's, that's but I told them and I'm I'm dead serious like that's me, like that's what makes me me, um, and I would never change it. Um, it kept me grounded in high school. It made me extremely humble for the days of just be able to get up and walk. Yep. Um, and it taught me just to value what people bring to you because it's dark times. I mean, I wanted to be out in high school doing stuff with my boys a lot more, um, doing different things, but I couldn't because I love college ball. And I said, like, I somehow got to strap up and play my senior year. Like I was coming off my second one, my senior year. And I was, I mean, I was like dragging my leg off the field, like for the fall camp because I was so, I had the surgery in like February, January, February off my second one. And then fall camp came around like seven, eight months. I mean, that's tough. That's a quick, it don't feel like it, but that's a quick turnaround for an injury like that. It's quick. And you know how fast the summers fly by, man. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're working out, you're with the boys, you're doing stuff. All of a sudden, boom, it's August. And I'm like, man, I got to go. But while I I don't regret not going out doing a little bit more because it kept me so grounded. Yeah. It was really the best thing that ever happened to me because had it not, I don't know if I would have really, like, nourished that time in high school that you had to make or break what it was for college sports. And Saginaw gave me a call, uh, one of the few schools, and, I mean – it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I met some of the most amazing people in my life and my perspective, I think has been able to been cast down on other people since. Yeah, you're totally dude. I think you hit it right on the head. And like a point that I want to touch on was 
how you can connect with others. I mentioned it earlier who have gone through, like I said, not just the ACLs, but other injuries as well. I think that is a special piece that gets overlooked because obviously you don't know it until you are in the shoes, right? You're until you're in that position. And just speaking on my experience, to give a great example, I was in Baltimore this last week, had the opportunity to represent our conference at the NCAA Student Leadership Forum. And there was a women's basketball player from Kentucky who was four weeks post-op that was already there, which in itself I was extremely impressed by. And, but I mean, talk about like her and I met that first day and just talking about her experience going through it and, you know, come to find out we're going to our career paths are kind of aligned and this and that. And it's like, I would have never known that probably would have never talked to her in the depth that I did. Had I not seen the knee brace, as soon as you walk in, it's hard to miss. Right. So I guess talk about, like I said, it's not a a membership that you want to have to this club, but once you're in it, man, there's a whole support group of others who have gone through the same thing. And I think this injury in particular is so special in the way that that's handled. Yeah, this is actually weird. I was just having a conversation with um, a lady on this connection. She had known someone who was going through the rehab process and kind of like, hey, I don't really know who to talk to. Same scenario I've been working with a guy actually back up at school, tried to take him under my wing. He was going through it um, because everybody, you know, the first thing to do is, well, like your leg looks a little smaller. Yeah, it does. Like, but it's all between the ears. Yep. I mean, your mental, I'll be the first one to say multiple times. I mean, through three of them, there were points and I'm sure you can agree too. There have been points where I'm, it was dark. Like it was dark. And I now almost take responsibility within myself. Even if someone doesn't reach out to me, if I see somebody who was going through it, I'm like, hey, take my number, text me. I'll yep. call you. I'll I'll give you something to do because, like, you do need it. I mean, you need it. Even if you don't know it, man. Even if you, even you, if, you, you yes. think you don't. Yeah. I think you're, you're well, 100% right. And, and the last piece of that, too, is – I mean, you've dealt with a lot of them too, but doctors, trainers, physical therapists, they all care. And I wouldn't be here without any of them. The only missing piece, like you said, if you haven't gone through it, there's just things you can't relate to. Like you might do my surgery or you may help me rehab and it's no fault to them. But if you haven't gone through it, there's things that, especially between the ears that you just can't respond to the question or a problem with. So um, that was a big piece. Even when I reached out to you, I'm like, you don't know who this is going to touch. Somebody could listen to this and be like, man, like these guys have been through it. They might, you know, hit one of us up and it could change their life because it's yep. dark. It was dark for me. I, I have no problem admitting it. It was so dark after my third one. Bad. Um, and, you know, I dug myself out of it, but man, to have that support system, like you said, has been built up. It's key. It is, dude. And, like, obviously, shout out to all the the trainers, the medical staff, and the surgeons. and Because there's so many people that eventually end up getting brought into that support staff. And they wouldn't be in those positions if they didn't want to do just that. And a lot of them have been through it. And that's what I think ultimately ends up influencing them to go into that field, right, is going through that, having that experience, and wanting to have – the impact that others had on them. And that's, you know, that's what I told uh, the girl that I met. It was like, take my number. And I was like, my only like thing is that if you call me, 
do not expect a three to five minute conversation. Like you need to be sitting down. You need to have had a meal in you. Like we're going <laughs> to sit down and chop it up. Like, I'm not just going to, this is not like a, Oh, just take my number kind of an empty gesture. Like I talked with multiple people, especially in the beginning part of that process that were, you know, removed from that and had, you know, seen the light at the end of the tunnel and their words, their effect on me was so influential and was so amazing that I just want to provide somebody else with that opportunity. You know what I mean? Like I want to be the one that, and like selflessly, you know what I mean? I want to have that effect on somebody to get them to drag them out of that hole or whatever that hole might be for them because it's different for everyone. You can't let people stay there. That's what I told, you know, a couple of the people that I've, that I've worked with that I've just had conversations. Like I won't let you stay here because I, I mean, especially my first two hours. I like that. I didn't have like social media was less. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have any socials and I didn't think about really reaching out that much. I mean, I kind of went through a lot of it on my own. I mean, trainers here and there, but had I had somebody that had went through it, and I could have boom nailed them with questions every day, every yep. day, knowing I'd give it back. But that would have been huge, um, you know, kind of like that big brother just being there. And that's what I know I can be because, like, I don't like letting people stay down. And I'm, and you as well too. You try to be living proof. You can come back better. That's what I felt like I've done. I mean, it's fixed. Like everybody always asks the question, "Is it better?" It's fixed, and I'm better. <laughs> um, I mean, it might not be the one I was born with, but like, it's better. So that's more important, man. hundred percent. And I just, to, to go off of that, to get into a little bit more of the specifics, I wanted to ask if you had any, you know, advice, one or two things that stuck out for you going through that process that uh, could help people, not specifically with knees, but just with that, when you get that death sentence as an athlete, whether it be an ACL, whether it be any kind of other season ending injury. And I know one thing that stuck with me, shout out to Kevin Grammons, we had worked with a mental coach in high school that um, I didn't realize I needed at the time because I had never suffered any injuries like this. But one thing that he was a major proponent of was the 24-hour rule, right? When something shitty happens in life, you have 24 hours to bitch and moan, to blame the world, to blame anybody but yourself, right? Sleep on it. You have that 24-hour window. But, man, as soon as that 24-hour window hits, as soon as that's up, your mind shifts, Right. And now it's how do I attack it? How do I beat it? How do I overcome it? And for me, that was huge because I think it's just unrealistic for some people to immediately, especially on that first injury, right? To immediately just say, okay, what can I do? Because, (laughs) man, you feel like a sack of shit after that. So that was just something for me that 24 hour rule, give yourself, even put a reminder in your phone, like, hey, this time tomorrow, we move forward. And, you know, you can obviously edit that rule to whatever time frame that suits you best, more or less, but that was something that, that stuck out to me. I think the biggest thing is, I mean, it's a quote, it's like people say it, but any plan when it comes to something like this is better than no plan. Yep. And you ask a lot of people, that's always the first thing I ask about talking to somebody. So what's your plan? Like, wh- where are you at? What are you doing? Where are you shooting for? And I'm not going to lie, first time going through it, didn't have a huge plan. I mean, it was the first one. I didn't really know. But it's like, what's what's the plan? Like, if you have no plan, you will make zero progress. But if you have a plan, even if it's not the best one, like, if you just have belief in it, you're going to make progress and move forward. 
And there's nothing better than waking up, especially when you're rehabbing, knowing like, okay, Monday, I got this Tuesday, I got this Wednesday, I have this as opposed to waking up Monday and being like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I guess I'm just going to like go to the gym and, you know, and try to work on my leg. Like, no, that's yeah. not how it works. It's prep, it's planning. And I think the second piece, I mean, for me was, you know, that, that, that piece of advice would just be like the setbacks, the adversity. If you have goals, if you have things you want to do, you just have to understand these are just tasks. That's really all it is. Um, and it's not always and, linear, right? I know a lot of times through the process, you feel like it's two steps forward, one step back and not being discouraged in those moments. Cause honestly, those are the hardest ones when you feel like for so long you have been making this linear progression and either a, it plateaus and you're not seeing that improvement on a regular basis or B you actually decline. Right. And that is just, that is a morale killer. And I think the most important thing to understand, and there's some great graphics out there, but that success looks so different for so many different people. And if you mm -hmm. have it linear and you continue to just build every day, that is fantastic. But for the vast majority of people, that simply will not happen, right? You're going to have these dips along the way. But as long as you get from point A to this finish point up here, point B, I think you just got to understand that the route is not going to, you know, it's not going to be a straight highway, right? No. And to add on to that, the last piece of advice I would give is you have to accept that the lifestyle is going to be new. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people, when they go through it, it's like, yeah, well, it's a six month recovery. And after that, I'm new. It's like, no, no way. I tell everybody, I said, you will never be, you can be better, but you won't be the same as you were in a sense of how you have to take care of yourself prior. People, you know, look at me like you're insane. You do stuff every day. I said, I'm always moving because I'm to that point now where I have to be like the moment you stop your knee hurts. The, what's the first thing people do? They stop. And they're like, Oh, I'm not going to do anything. Like, no, if it hurts, you need to just pivot, do something a little bit different, lessen the load, like active recovery, something, but you can't stop moving like, yeah. every day because the moment you stop, the momentum is gone. And that, that, it's a lifestyle. People don't realize it. Like you are entering into the club. Like you said, it's new, like strap up, get ready. But I mean, on the, on the end, on the backside, when you get through the perspective, the knowledge, like the confidence that you walk around with, it's unmatched. Mm. I'm sure you can attest to that too. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really powerful stuff. What you led with that is that you're not going to be the same. You could be worse. You could be better, but mm -hmm. you sure as hell are not going to be the same. And I, that might be one of the better, like, we might have to get that put up in the studio in here, dude. I like that. I like that a lot um, because you're totally right. You're going to wake up in the morning, and we got kind of a rainy day here. Low-pressure system comes in. I wake up, and the knee is sore. Like, all those jokes about, like, predicting weather and all that shit is 100% it's real. So even little, like, funny, you know, funnier things like that. Like, yeah. you certainly will not be the same. You're going to be better or worse, and that, for the most part, is up to you. Exactly. I mean – I like to see it as just, you know, the scars. I mean, the scars are tests that I've, I've passed. I've gotten through. Yeah. Uh, I, and like I said, that's me. When I tell people, I always used to be kind of reluctant. You know what I mean? You're like, ah, oh, do I want to let these people know this what's happened? Like, no, this is what's happened. But this is also why I'm standing here. Mm -hmm. Like, the setbacks, the adversity. Like, this is why I am who I am. This is why I put everything into what I do. Um, I mean, I've given up other things to go to go get this, to keep playing football. Like I could have been done, but I know my story and what I've been through 
can help just not myself and my family, but other people too. And the last thing I ever want to do is look at somebody and be like, yeah, I had my third ACL and I quit. Like that is not me. Um, I mean, you can't lay down. So I hear you. And, you know, to go back on the, the, you know, more piece of advice, unfortunately, I just had a teammate who suffered the injury in our spring game and you're like, man, just, just tough to, tough to see that obviously, but especially at that moment too, when you're wrapping up that, that off season type of practice. Um, and, the one kind of big piece of advice I gave for him is setting those small goals, right? Those small increments and little victories are so big, right? Whether it be in those first couple of weeks when you're trying to hit the certain amount of degrees and deflection, or you're trying to get back to your full extension, depending on your injury, like just little goals. Like, man, I want 10 more degrees in the next four days. Like those little goals, I think cherish those. And you can apply that to any part of your life. I mean, set realistic, attainable goals and sometimes don't don't make them realistic like make them a little bit out of your box right so you have to really push and go get them but the last thing I had for you was more about we talked about the mental side directly after now on the other side of the fence returning to sports right because when you get want to get back to playing whether it be football basketball whatever it is you want to be 100% more importantly you don't want to worry about it you want to be 100% here so how did you do that and how did you feel as good as you felt coming off of those injuries for me, it was always taking it in steps and strides. This last one, for example, I sat down with my trainers, uh, my strength coach, everybody, and basically said, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm looking at now. It's not always going to go as planned, but I said, yep. this is what I'm aiming for. And I want to get on the field. I said, I want to be able to do everything, quote unquote, on air by myself, full speed, have no issues. It's it's step by step. And I've been having a conversation with a guy too um, up at school kind of about the same thing, like how to return to the sport, you know, because you get the paper and it's like nine months or six months, like put the brace on and let's go ride. It's like, no, no. Um, you have to be able to, I'd say this, it was when I felt doing stuff by myself one-on-one, like I was better than I was before that I knew I was ready to go up against someone else. I like that. Yep. I'm like, okay, I just did this move. Like, I don't really know if I could have done it beforehand. Now I'm ready to go match up against somebody else. Oh, yeah. My first ones out of high school, a little bit different. My knowledge, I didn't have as much knowledge of them. Um, but I was, I was kind of thrown into the fire uh, on the second one. I, and I had to. And that one gave me a lot of confidence, though. And I say this because it wasn't ideal. I mean, second one, pretty quick return. But it just taught me, this is so weird, but it taught me this. It it taught me that the moment you start doing more and more and more, like it feels better and better and better. I just had a conversation with a guy about that the other day. You're right. Man, like, you know, it's feeling like this. It's feeling like this. I said, the moment you start doing more, you start going up against somebody else, you start running full speed, is the moment it just like all loosens up. And it's weird because you're doing more, you're pounding on it more. Yeah. Like, a lot of pressure, fighting pressure, on pre- especially D-line, whatever it is. You're in the, doesn't matter, you're running a lot. And I think he got back to me a couple of weeks later. He's like, dude, it feels way better. Like the moment you start doing I more. I love it, yeah. It opens up and you're like, oh, this actually isn't that bad. But for the longest time, the rehab process, you're you're hemmed up. You're 
you know, you're just making sure that like nothing is by your foot. You're not going to sprain your ankle and mm-hmm. like fall over and roll. You know, you know how it goes. Oh yeah. Um, Slipping on crutches and stuff, dude. Oh yeah. Like it but, is, but you're right. I mean, it's, that's a mindset, right? Too. Like you take that same, you know, the more you do, the better it gets. You take that same mindset and, and you apply it to, to everything you do, injury, sports, life, career, all of it. But, um, I mean, shoot, we've been going for damn near 30 dude. So I'll leave you on that. But we, I, like I said, we could talk about this all day. I'm definitely going to – I'll get your contact. We're going to be in touch, too. Yeah. But I can't tell you how much I've appreciated this conversation. And like we alluded to earlier, I hope someone else can can take away some of those points as well. That's what it's about, man, even if you influence one person um, yeah. because you don't know. And actually, the more you look into it, there's a lot more people out there that, that need help than you think. Yeah. And you have to give back. Like there's no more sense of fulfillment than somebody texting you or calling you or in person saying, Hey, thanks. Like, you know, maybe you saved my life or you just helped me, you helped me get through this. And now they're prospering. Cause like you and I can be living proof of that. And, yeah. and, and I feel like we are, and I know you're going to rehab well and, and be back. Like that's what it's about. It's, you can't lay down. Um, yeah, you just got to get back up. So that's what I, tell I appreciate everyone, you having me on. Yeah. It's going to work because it has to. That's kind of that's just been my memo, and that's what I tell people. And yeah, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much again for coming on, and uh, I've really, I've really appreciated this conversation, dude. Have a good night. Absolutely, man. Let's uh, let's stay in touch. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Jake, right. I'll see you, brother. All right, peace. Like I told Jake, really appreciate him coming on and uh, and having that conversation with me because you know. I know firsthand that those type of conversations are the ones that are going to get people out of that hole, out of that slump, whatever you want to call it. And my hope is that anyone who has gone through that type of injury, um, who has experienced those feelings, at least took one nugget from that. I want to have more, like more in-depth, uh, more emotional conversations like that on the show because I think that's another part of sports that needs to be cultivated and talked about. So very crucial conversation there. Glad we could have it. But Trevor, we can move on to uh it's what's becoming one of our favorite things to do on this show is look at renders of new stadiums and yeah, we have been doing that a lot it just must be the time of the year it's like yeah. spring cleaning of the old stadiums and all of a sudden we're gonna throw two billion dollars at this one so the team throwing two billion dollars 2.1 to be exact at a new stadium that would be the tennessee titans and nissan stadium their current venue is only 24 years old well, yeah, well, it was opened in 99. Because the tight Tennessee Titans haven't been around that long. That's very true. And But just that stadium is young, I mean, yeah. considering and relatively, right? Like compared to, compared yeah. to like Soldier Field, the, another exactly. one that's getting a... Yeah, much, was, a much yeah. needed, yeah. yeah. So um, Tennessee State University also plays at Nissan Field. I was not aware of that. So kind of a interesting I don't think deal. I've ever... Th- thought about tennessee state university in my life yeah but you think about i exactly which is why i didn't know about it but logistic wise yeah very interesting i think temple plays at the eagle stadium do they i'm pretty sure well let's not check that but the cost of nissan stadium was 200 million dollars which in today's money is 472 million okay. to account for inflation this one's going to be 2.1 billion and it's because it looks like that yeah at first when you told me that oh. I'm like, how is that possible but now now you can this see is, what 2.1 bill can do. That's unreal. That seriously is so sick, it might dude. Be the, it'll be like the most unique stadium, I think. Oh my god! Like look at the outside of that. Like that's so different. And, and definitely, oh. it definitely fits like the Tennessee theme. I feel like, do like, you? like the wood and yeah. like you know what I mean. I like, no, I, I totally get what you're like saying. Like the music, what is it called? Like um, country music. I don't know. There's a name for it. 
And I'm not. I haven't been there. I don't know it. Music something. <laughs> There's country music. Whatever the there. hell it is, that is it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and an idea that a lot more teams are starting to incorporate is this idea of an all-inclusive type of stay at a stadium, right? This is going to be a place where you can go in, A, watch the game, get food, gamble. Probably they might have a hotel, a spa. Like, this music, is going to be something. It's music City, by Music the way. City. So I guess real there's simple. gonna be music. Know. There's gonna be music in here too. Oh, Probably yeah. a bunch of live music. Oh yeah, you sick? Could you imagine getting up from your seat, heading up to the concourse, and you got who the hell knows playing up in Music City? It'd be kind of sweet. It would. But to go back and look at the actual render shots, here's that uh, significant front of the stadium. Yeah. We take a look over here. Is, is another view just on the other unreal. side. And how about that like terrace right there yeah, in the that's front, so sweet. like. This whole area is just being cultivated to just you know bring all eyes to this. It's so awesome, dude. If they can pull this off, that is going to be incredible. That big video board right there on the front, yeah. smack dab in the middle. Love to see that. Um, man, if it's this crowded, they'll be doing pretty good. They just up, they have like a slider for the, I like to imagine they have a little slider for these render people, and they just cranked it all the way up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, those render people appear to look a little better than like, some of the other ones we've seen. I love that. Like UCF. Yeah. That was, UCF didn't have people. That was funny. That was pretty good. But if we move forward a little bit further, this is the inside wow. of said stadium. And worth noting, you can obviously notice there's a dome. So this will be a venue that will be utilized year-round, not just for football, concerts, different types of events. The dome is still kind of weird, though, for, yep. for Tennessee. For Tennessee. Like, I mean, I know it gets kind of cold there in the winter for a few months, but... You wouldn't and think they'd want a dome. We should have said earlier that uh, it does say in the tweet, you can see it there, the Tennessee Titans uh, is one, new stadium is one step from reality. The Metro Council approved the proposal 25 to 11 and now is set for a final vote on April 25th. And now you might ask, why do they have to vote on it? Why can't they just spend the money? A lot of it's public money. A lot of it's public funding, which is why these votes has to go through these councils um, for the area and such, because this is going to be taxpayers' money that's going towards portions of this. You don't so, think about that stuff when it comes to stadiums. Yeah, and then the rest of the money is going to actually be loans. Um, I can pull up some more of the statistics here, but that is a lot of money to put that stadium looks into incredible, that. Though. And the actual numbers here from Front Office Sports are... $1.26 in public money that would go towards the new stadium. Holy shit. That's a lot. And then loans from the NFL, sales, and team funds would cover the rest. The uh, meager amount of $840 million needed to oh, yeah. complete the stadium. Just meager amount. Meager amount. Uh, <laughs> the blueprint that was released actually in October of 22 shows a 1.7 million square foot building with 60,000 seats and a retractable dome. I missed that piece in the first oh, read through. That see that makes way more sense. Music City. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick though. Hit a button and then just pull it back on a nice it's day. It's like uh who has one? Arizona has one. I don't really know how many people have them. Retractable? Not that many. No, cuz it's expensive as hell. Yeah. yeah. But I know, I know Arizona Cardinals do. And this is something too that the State Titans Farm, that and the cool. city of Nashville, yes, it is State Farm. They want the stadium stadium, excuse me, to be able to compete for Super Bowls, for Final Fours, for all of these big time sporting events, right? Because that's going to draw in revenue for the city. Yeah. Start to recuperate some of that 1.26 billion in public money they're going to be spending on this damn thing. But I mean, talk about the inside of it. Wow. Yeah. Are those two big video boards and then the one big like banner that goes all the way around? That's what it looks like. That's sick. 
that is very cool. Otherwise, as far as like seating goes, it looks relatively generic. You got your suites on that kind yeah. of mid level. It's kind of hard to make that like. Yeah, I don't know. Stadium, like. Yeah, I don't know what exactly you do with that, but I mean, the environment looks insane, mm-hmm. and it's a full three sixty. Which is worth noting. There's no big windows or it's not like Jerry's World where they have that kind of unique setup with the sunlight coming through that can affect the game, right? So, looks sick. Uh, Can be my professional analysis. Looks badass. Looks cool. Looks even better at night. (laughs) Whoa. Music City. Music City, baby. They're back on top in a big way. Damn. That's sweet. (laughs) This is crazy, dude. I can't get over that. Um, if approved, the stadium will, is slated to open uh, in 2026. That's not that far away. They'd get right. Yeah, that's the more you think about that. It's what is it? It's 2023 now. Yeah. So you're talking years. about two and a half years. Two and a half, three years. Yeah. Yeah, I guess depending on when it, it opens when in 2026. The, yeah. You're right. You're right. So maximum like three years. No, it has to open January 1st. No, you're right. Yeah. For that big of a. How? It just if it, maybe like the day it gets approved, they start working. Basically, damn near call them construction yeah. city. Yeah, worksite city. You might have to forfeit the music city title if they get that done in that amount of time. That'd be it, impressive is as hell. This, I wonder where is it gonna like replace where Nissan Stadium is? I wonder. Oh yes, we were going to we were going to talk about that. Um, it is in Nashville, by the way. Yes, and I don't Music actually. City. Yes, I don't have. I don't have. Uh, I don't think I have actually a, a location on here that says right off the bat. Does it say anything on the on the tweet there? I don't believe so. It, this would mark the largest pu- largest excuse me the largest public spend on an NFL stadium in history. Yeah, it doesn't say, but you're thinking. I don't know if they tear down Neeson on st- I, They probably would, though, if it's in downtown Nashville. Yeah, I don't imagine there's that size of real estate, right? No. So I, I guess the the popular opinion would probably be that Nissan is going to be yeah. put down, yeah, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Damn, dude. Really sweet stuff, though. Let's go, uh, let's go watch this. Let's get this pulled up um, and take a look at this video for those who are uh, watching on YouTube. We talked a lot about Deion Sanders on this show. I mean, it's hard not to. The dude is just electric, and everything he does has a way of just finding himself back into the headlines. Um, this is just more of a fun video that we saw. We started pulling this up, and it's Dion meeting Ralphie the Buffalo, the official. It would be the mascot, correct, of yeah, Colorado Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. So let's just go ahead and, uh, and take a look at, at this. This can't be no more beautiful than today. How you doing? Do you have a good Easter? How you doing? Hey, Grandma, like that book. Thank you. It was my grandma. Okay. Yeah, you know. Get on your cleat. Look at you. You already ready, ain't you? <laughs> yeah. You got yeah. on your... You know how it goes? I see. All right, so we're going to jump you up in the front part of the trailer so you can meet her. Hold on, hold on. You going to do what? We're going to get you in the trailer. No, no, you're talking real fast. Just slow that thing down. <laughs> Ease it in. <laughs> yeah, Ralph has been kicking off. You're it. good. All right, she's right here. Come here, sweetie. Yeah, this is Coach Prime. Mm-hmm. This is Coach Prime. All together, huh? You see him easing back. Show it up, Coach. This is her favorite food <laughs> no. in the world right here. Okay. Mix us some corn and some grain. Okay. She loves to eat it out of your hand. Come here, baby. She bigger than I thought. Be careful. 
because if you don't hold your fingers right, she'll try and chop them right off. Thank you for that. Come <laughs> here, baby. So appreciate that. <laughs> That's the end of that experiment. Yeah. Rafi is huge. She'll grab you with your tongue right there. Look at that tongue, dude. You yeah, you wanna... Look at giraffe. Giraffes are gloves. crazy. Yeah, here, you take, you take yeah, the gloves. I'm not, I'm not doing that for just. Yeah, you gotta be careful. She'll, she'll get some slobber on See, you. See, every too. time you say careful, <laughs> that. that you well, can... it's just, you know, no, as you long can... as you don't mind a little bit of buffalo slobber, yeah. you'll be alright. Take one hand, keep it cupped, kind of like It's kind of like Sarge. Like yeah, you know? Just like, Pretty much just like that. Yeah. You're feeding like a horse. Come here, baby. Give her thumb and your fingers stiff. Okay, let's go together, because we go there, we're gonna go together. Here we go, baby. We're gonna go together. Lord, that tongue is like a brick. It's like a piece of sandpaper. <laughs> oh my God. All right, are you hanging out to see the first run? Yeah, I want to see it. That's perfect. So we're going to leave you in here for the first run. You're going to leave me in here? Yeah. This is so what you, what you mean? This will be here. She's not going to come get you. And okay, so, you so okay. how does she finish in the trailer? You'll get to see first hand. Yeah, so you're going to find out. Into the trailer, stops, and you're good to go. So she already knows what time. Oh, yeah, she knows what's coming. Yep. Wow. Here we go. Holy cow! Oh, it's a lot bigger than I thought. Dude, it is. I thought it was like a baby. I guess it probably still is. No, it is. Oh, no. Oh, we supposed to stay here while the thing is coming? Yep, I'll just have you step back and step. Oh, oh shit. Right step. Yep. Oh, no. I'm not standing here while this thing is coming at me full speed. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> Look at that oh, coming. No. Holy. Oh. <laughs> he hiding behind the cameraman. <laughs> Ralphie was intimidating. That was that was. I love that dude. That's that's awesome. What that doesn't really seem smart. Like I don't care how like well mannered or like docile this buffalo is. Running full speed at a trailer where you, I'm assuming, I've been only in a few trailers in my lifetime, but that back door is usually the only entry or exit. Yep. <laughs> I haven't been in many uh, buffalo trailers either. But. No, but I'm just gonna go off of an assumption. Yeah, uh, common sense would suggest. <laughs> I mean, there was a metal half wall thing blocking it. And that inspires confidence in you? Uh, I don't know. I've never been in that situation personally <laughs> where a buffalo is <laughs> charging at me. Jesus. You can relate to football, I guess, in one sense. Uh, there's a whole team of Ralphie handlers who are varsity student-athletes. Uh, they run Ralphie around Folsom Field, and they run him in a horseshoe pattern before each half of each home game. It takes five Ralphie handlers to run her around the field, two up front each side to steer her around the field, two in the back on each side to help guide her, and one in the far back to control her speed, called the loop position. Wait, can we go back? Varsity student-athletes? Is it a sport? So... So when I first read it, I thought, okay, these are kids from other teams that are doing it. But no, this sounds like, are they on scholarship to run Ralphie on the field? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> this is so sick. Are, is there like, this is stupid. Is there a college equestrian? There like, is college equestrian. So that very well may be, be. Like just like part of the equestrian. And then, they totally could. Yeah. I'm not sure if the buffs have that. Might have to do a little more additional research. But there certainly is college equestrian. It's, it's big and especially southern states up here. Yeah. Obviously, we don't have that presence. No. Holy cow. Um, these varsity student-athletes, the Ralphie Handlers, take her to appearances and care for her year-round. 
Uh, it says they volunteer 20 to 30 hours to the program in training, practicing appearances, and caring for the beloved mascot. And in the offseason, they put forth 20 hours a week towards the program, always caring for Ralphie and staying in top shape to run with Ralphie. Now, they threw the word volunteering in there. Yeah. Did we rip their scholarships away? I think these guys walk-ons. They might be walk-ons. But then they would still be student-athletes, technically. This is very right? true. Yeah. So maybe they I just... I guess so. Maybe it's not a scholarship thing. It's just... Yes, it's the Ralphie Live mascot program. So they have managers like that. The team consists of approximately 15 student-athletes made up of both males and females. They earn a varsity letter each year they're on the team. They first started earning the letters in 1987. There we go. I have the data for you right there. Wow. Shout out Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Even though the handlers do not fall under NCAA jurisdiction, the athletic department still holds them to the same standards as all other varsity athletes in the department, including minimum GPA requirements, full course load, and other rules. What? So they treat them like... Guys, sorry. I'm, I'm ineligible this semester. <laughs> what? I, I, didn't, I didn't pass uh, Sewing Fields 101. <laughs> I this is going to be our looper now. <laughs> Jordan, you've been our looper for three years. You were all conference. <laughs> they could make a movie out of it. Oh, no, guys. We've lost our looper. <laughs> Some underdog guy comes in. So, I love it. True freshman, looper. <laughs> oh, my out gosh. Of Little Rock, Arkansas. Do you know where Ralphie lives? Um, No. Ralphie's Ranch. What? You know where Ralphie's Ranch is? Where? Quote, an undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> Area 51. <laughs> They're afraid someone's going to yeah, steal your who has the Who has the balls to go approach a buffalo farm? Like, I mean, like, yeah, maybe like a po- like a legit poacher. But, like, this, why? <laughs> An undisclosed location. Bro, she's in witness protection? Ralphie is? How would someone, if it's in, like, like if there's, like, a... A ranch, right? Of- only before you before that thought, only current members of the Ralphie program, coaches, handlers, and her veterinarians are permitted to visit the ranch. Once your four years are up, you get one more visit to say goodbye. You're never going there again. You might actually have to be your memory might be wiped. They do a <laughs> men in black little <laughs> on the ranch. Yeah. Oh dude. <laughs> You don't even know Ralphie. You don't know about Ralphie's ranch. You don't know. You never cared for him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. Why do, why do we, why is this not more common knowledge? This well, is yeah, awesome. Why, why isn't this more, like, publicized? It yeah, be. it certainly is. She eats about 25 to 30 pounds of grasses and hay daily. Makes sense. <sighs> Depending on the season, she drinks about 10 to 15 gallons of water a day. That's insane. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know we were going to talk that much about it, but it's fantastic. Why not? I still can't believe that they treat everyone like varsity <laughs> athletes. I got my letter. Where are you? I'm actually this, the right-hand steer. I'm a four-year veteran looper. <laughs> the looper is a sick title. Got to control the speed. That's definitely on somebody's LinkedIn. If we looked up Looper, if we looked up Looper on LinkedIn, I'm sure we'd have a plethora of options. Well, not, none of them from uh, Colorado because they get their memory wiped. That's true. They even remember if they're Loopers. I don't know. 
Maybe they just have this thought like looper in their head, but they can't remember what they did with it. Some shady shit going on down there at uh, at Colorado. <laughs> but we can uh, we can leave that video and move on to our our final piece here, and that is talking about the NFL draft. And I told you before, I'd say again, like I don't do draft speculation. I'm not an expert. I'm not an eval- talent evaluator, so I'll never speak on it because what I speak on are just my opinions, and my opinions in those areas don't mean shit. And so do a lot of other people's, and yet they still like to talk about it way too much. But what we can talk about is Kansas City hosting the draft. Talk about the draft location. This is the setup for the NFL draft, which is going, the first round is going to happen a week from today, almost exactly, um, on the 27th. And the NFL draft in Kansas City will have the largest stage and the biggest screens in league history, a structure the size of a football field. And there you wow. can see it right there. 100,000 people have already registered, and the NFL estimates 300,000 total visitors. That's impressive. Very impressive. Very. So Most we can impressive. kind of speculate here, like just looking at this, like what other kinds of events are going on? Because obviously, like, you have the actual draft stage and everything, but I'm assuming they'll make this into a kind of a, a almost like a carnival, like a whole day event type deal, right? I'm not sure. Can you see anything? Excuse I'm reading me, the comments. Stands out. They're using the World War One Museum. That's a little wild. I believe that is the landmark right in the middle here. Oh, you okay. can see the curse on the screen. Um, that I believe that is that landmark, which is in downtown. I'm sure that's not actually something no. that they're going to be putting NFL like memorabilia and draft significant posters and stuff. That's not going to be going the world. They roll in with a biplane. Yeah. The first <laughs> overall pick. The 2023 NFL draft. Jesus. Um, but, yeah, whoever commented that, like, maybe have a little bit of common sense. Like, they're not just going to take a museum and move all the exhibits for the draft. I mean, maybe they do, and I sound like an idiot. But No, they probably just block off. Yeah. Like. Exhibits. Yeah, I mean, well, even, like, I would say they probably actually keep it open, but it's probably just operating as a museum. Yeah. When you have that much foot traffic, I'd imagine you want to get people in there, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't think that would be anything super crazy, but yeah, otherwise here, um, this says it's used all the time for concerts, events, etc. And that was a, a made for event holding with memorial servicing as backdrop and reminder of military sacrifice. Oh, well, that's, that's very nice actually. So, so that guy used his knowledge. He did. He and probably sounded like he had some personal experience as well. Yeah. And like I said, in the intro, uh, this is the first time Kansas City has hosted the draft since its inception in 1936. It's kind of crazy. And Kansas City, like, how long has Kansas City Chiefs been a team? You know, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Let I know me, it's been a while. Let me find right? that out. Um, no, I don't want to know about the Kansas Nebraska Act. <laughs> when did the Kansas City Chiefs start? Founded Missouri, did not even, it doesn't even say. What are we doing? Originally played, the team originally played as the Dallas Texans as part of the American Football League from 1960 to 62. And then 1963, the owner moved them to, to Kansas, Kansas City. City. So since 1963, they've been a team? And they have never had the opportunity to host the draft? That's crazy. That's really insane. Yeah. I wonder if, like, I don't know historically much about Kansas City, but I wonder if it hasn't been, like, a very, like, big city until, like, 
past maybe like 20, 30 years. Like enough to really attract people. And obviously yeah. the dynasty that has been built there football-wise suggests that something. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you're talking about more of the actual just the city. The city the itself, area itself. Yeah. That's like, not a bad point. It's in Missouri. I've never been to Missouri personally, so I, I really don't know is what I'm saying. I've never been to Kansas. No, I've been to Kansas City once when I was a lot younger. I've been there and I've been to St. Louis. Um, but I will say this about Kansas City. Kauffman Field, the Royal Stadium. Top notch, really, really sick, and that's when we were there. That's where I went. I didn't remember too much else, but it was really sick. Now, uh, it will be held at Union Station, which is that image up there. Uh, that's in downtown Kansas City, and like we had already mentioned, that the World War One World War One Museum there in the middle is kind of a focal point of that downtown. And like we said, the draft starts a week from tonight, eight p.m. the twenty seventh. The first round starts then, and then the following day will be rounds two and three. Uh, so on and so forth. I believe it's is that a three day or four day? I think it's only three days, it's correct? Three day. Four yeah. through, yeah. Four through what seven? Seven. Is, is, yeah. is it seven? Yeah. Four through seven is the last. Is the third day? Yes. And it's so. like in the, they start that in like the middle of the day. Like it starts. Yep. Doesn't start late at night. I think. I think. Yeah. You're right. You're totally right. Um. And there aren't as like obviously you're not, you don't have guys like coming up on stage or anything because you know they don't yeah. know if they're getting their name called or not. Yeah. So, exactly. um. We're also worth noting. Where's the draft in 2024? Detroit, right? Hell yeah, Detroit. Oh, yeah. Very excited about that. They've, I mean, they announced that months ago, and they're already planning, like, that event. I think Maybe, it's unique uh, to see how big of an event the draft is because, just because really how much money it's going to bring into the city, right? That's kind of the goal. Can we get uh, Division One rejects down there? In, That'd be pretty uh, sick. Detroit next year? That'd be pretty sick. It would be. Maybe we'd make it happen. I think we could. A D1R live at the draft? Oh, yeah. That'd be sweet. I, I've been, like, toying with the idea of, of, like, doing some destination, like, podcasts would be, like, kind of cool. You know what I mean? If something yeah. big like that was going on, yeah, that'd be sick. How about we just make a playoff run and then do it, like, in the playoff, you know, somewhere deep in the playoffs oh, to do a sweet. pod. Yeah. yeah. At, like, the field. That'd be sweet. That'd be really sick. But, um, no, so this, it'll be pretty sweet. I, I think it's just very cool to see what they do in terms of, like, a whole scale event that the drafts become, right? The first draft was held in the hotel. And it was a pool of 90 players that were being selected from. Wow. So the NFL owners got together. I want to say it was in like, I know Philadelphia was like one of the first three. It might have been Philadelphia for the first one. But yeah, the group of owners got together. It was a group of 90, a pool of 90 players. And they selected from the 90 guys. It's crazy. Yeah. And now there's going to be 300,000 fans at this one. Yeah. That's insane. That is really crazy. All for the shield. Hoorah. <laughs> That's all we've got for tonight. Um, I think there's somebody waiting outside. Sargi. What's up? Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> he got excited for a second. He, he, he wanted to go. He just wanted to go sit next to you. That's all he wanted. Now he's chilling. <laughs> he just wanted to end the show. Why did he burst in here like that? I thought he was coming at you. I was going to jump on your lap. What's up, pal? Like we said, this is more of a stoic type. You don't say much. Oh, he's on. <laughs> he's ready to. He's ready to be done. That's our cue. Thank you for listening, Divisional Rejects. It's been episode ninety six.